business differences and opportunities Australia and America. One of the things I find when I came out to the States is in Australia, we fight really hard, like really hard and in business, in sport. And uh, we're very successful, but it doesn't leave the other person as successful. And one of the things I did find out coming to the States is I'll do a deal with you and I'm happy that you're making a few bucks and you're happy that I'm making a few bucks. And that makes sense, right? But in Australia at the time, I'm a little bit removed now. I think just culturally that we're just too competitive. And unless I'm taking every penny off you to get the best deal I can, then it's not going to work. Welcome to Friends of Build Magazine. I'm your host, Ted Bainbridge. I've been traveling the world and working in publications for 30 years. In 2016, we launched our first issue of Build Magazine, a publication dedicated to high-end home construction, renovation, and the innovative experts that make this possible. This podcast was created to have some fun and explore those who have taken on the challenge of building luxury homes in demanding locations. From navigating logistics and construction to excavating the earth, we want to learn more about these people and how their projects became cover-worthy. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. All right, here we are in Bozeman, Montana for another edition of Friends of Build Magazine. I am joined with Jason Veach from Arctic Spas in Bozeman. He's got a new product line he'll be talking about, but Jason, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks. Welcome to Montana. Where's that accent? I mean, Australia. East Montana, maybe. Mile City. <laughs> no. <laughs> Melbourne, Australia. Yeah. Hang it in there. How in the world did you get to America? You know, not to coin Eddie Murphy's movie, Coming to America. America, right? Yeah. It was probably just after that. I'm probably that old. So saw that movie and packed up. No, I had a job opportunity. Actually, my wife at the time had a job opportunity. Uh, I'd started an olive grove back in Australia, and I had this, you know, romantic notion of rolling green hills and countryside. And you got that here. We got, we do, we do. And uh, a little more snow here. Yeah, no snow in central Victoria, right? (laughs) (laughs) But 120 degrees. So I'm, grateful to get out of that so anyway she you know she'd always wanted to work in america and uh uh we sat down one day and said well if we work in america you know wouldn't it be great if we could get a job in montana how do you pull montana out of a out of a map of 50 states it's a combination of you know my grandmother would come and visit you know every uh, two weeks every year she lived in queensland and uh that was the only time we got to see her and she would come down and sit at the kitchen table and sing all these 40s and 50s country songs, you know, Don't Fence Me In, etc. And right. the girl could yodel. And um, I would just listen to all these songs. And then we would watch, you know, um, country and Western movies. And I think, you know, Nan bought me my first Lone Ranger doll and horse and pistols and all this sort of stuff. So maybe that was, you know, building in the back of my mind. And then, you know, you got this guy. You might have heard of him, you know, John Denver, you know, right. sings pretty well about this, you know, neck of the woods. Yeah, and yeah, for sure. So we said Montana and um, literally maybe to the month, maybe a year later, she went to the States to sit a Q&A for her job on launching a product out here that she had done successfully in Australia. And she just asked the question, is there any jobs going in the States? And they said, yeah, we're opening up Montana. That is wild. So there wasn't even a discussion like, should we, could we? Had they talked to your grandmother? No. Her employer, I mean. 
No, maybe, <laughs> maybe, the, maybe she worded them up. I don't know. So, you know, it's interesting talking to my cousins now backwards and forwards and knowing how Gran was, you know, a little romantic cowgirl herself. And here I am in Montana and, you know, the horses and the, the whole nine yards. And they're just like, if she was still with us, she'd be blown away. This is where I ended up. So you come from a country with no snow, virtually. No snow, no. And no good snow. you ended up in arguably one of the coldest states in the country outside of Alaska. Yeah. Has the, uh, 20 years later, has the romance of Montana worn off? No, no. It really is spectacular here. It's spectacular. And, you know, I've had a lot of, you know, we spoke about, you know, earlier about just changes in life and, uh, you know, where life takes you. And, you know, there was a time where, you know, well, that, marriage you know didn't survive right. and uh everyone and everything probably said you need to go back to australia like this is it like you've run your race you've been here for maybe you know it's 10 years by that stage or something and uh i just had something inside of me that's like this is my home this is where i wanted to be you know what i mean and uh things just fall in place you know job opportunities etc relationships and um you know i remember at one point uh you know, my mum called me and said, you know, what do you want, what do you want, you know, going forward now, now that you've got this big change, you know, you want to stay in America, what do you want? And, uh, you know, it was interesting. I said, yeah, I just want to meet a nice Montana gal and, uh, you know, maybe a little bit country, doesn't have to be, you know, straight off the ranch or something, right. but something to just enjoy the outdoors, you know what I mean? And, uh, and I said, I think that, you know, that's sort of what I want for my kids and, you know, I want to stay in Montana and you know, raise them and, and find a nice partner. And literally a week later, you know, a short little story, um, a friend, a mutual friend had called up and said, hey, do you want to go for a horse ride uh, this morning? And I'm like, 7 a.m.? Like, I just tied one on the night before. <laughs> <laughs> I was in no sort of form to, to ride a horse. Well, I didn't think. And I said, but come up and ride anyway. We backed up to the National Forest and you could just ride straight out from there. It's beautiful. And um, so anyway, I heard the truck pull up. I'm laying in bed and I heard two doors close. And I'm like, two doors? Maybe I'll go and have a look. And I looked out the window and Jesse, my wife now, is standing in the middle of my front yard at the time. And I'm like, this is a great day for a horse ride. <laughs> <laughs> so much for the hangover. I'm, I'm in. So much for the hangover. Splash some water in the face, put on the jeans and the cowboy hat from the night before and just head down to the, the barn and saddle up a horse, you know. And so she, she sees you and listens to you and that's all it takes. Well, yeah, she heard me and then, but I heard her more. It was like, I think the first thing I said to Jesse outside of, uh, you know, g'day, nice to meet you, whatever. And uh, we're riding on the horse and she's just, jibber jab and jibber jab and these two girls were just like and i just turned around and said this is the first thing i ever said to her you sure do talk a lot don't you and she looked me square fair in the eyes and said what's it to you <laughs> <laughs> and so we've been doing that dance ever since so well, that's pretty good that's good i yeah. mean i've heard the comment uh, you had me at hello but i don't think as an opening line that would be one that would land your wife no, no, not out, not in America anyway. Maybe in Australia it would have, but uh, no, not out here. Yeah. So you've lived here 20 years, almost yeah. half your life. Yeah, it's a long time. It is. Mm. What's the difference in opportunity compared to Australia that America has? I think just your scale, you know, and your percentage of a market. You know, Australia is roughly the same size as the lower 48 in land size, right? But yeah. it's only 20 million people, you know, give or take. So, you know, certainly, you know, it's a land of opportunity, um, but your market sectors are a lot 
more, you know, constricted. Okay. You know? Um, I think maybe culturally a little bit too, you sort of, and it's, this is just an Australian thing or Canadian thing or American thing, but, you know, I would say most people, you know, go to school, go to high school, you know, college, um, find a career, whether it's in sales or something, but they end up working for somebody else typically, right? And that seems to be more the, you know, and then in Australia, we don't travel as much either. So to grow up and move half a dozen times is not, Oh, you know, it's not? We don't travel in Australia for jobs typically. Like you're, you're born in Melbourne, you're going to raise your kids in Melbourne and their kids are going to raise their kids in Melbourne and you're going to work typically, right? Okay. Obviously there's, you know, people outside of that. Whereas in the, you know, in the States and maybe Canada, I don't know, you, you know, you start your career and then you get another opportunity a couple of States away and you just, you know, you're working yourself around the country and you probably get to a point in life where hey, this is a nice place and we're going to start to wind down the career sort of thing for, you know, kids, college and opportunities. So, you know, um, you know, those opportunities that you've put off to establish your career, you know, we talked about boats, lakes, et cetera. Okay. You know, maybe you buy a ranch in Montana somewhere. A that'd ranch be being crazy. anything that'd be so from- That'd yeah, <laughs> That'd be crazy. And then you just start to slow down and start doing other things with your life maybe, so- when we moved from Canada 20 years ago, to me, America is the land of opportunity. And, and, and with that being said, it's not a class system like it is in Europe. So if you're born mm. into one class, then it's really hard. Not impossible, but it's right. really hard. Yeah. What we liked about America and, and still do mm. is the fact that any knucklehead, and you and I are a testament to it. I'm a knucklehead for sure. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. We both are. <laughs> right. But it's, if you're willing to work and you have an idea, mm. it doesn't matter where you came from. In fact, a lot of the more successful people that I meet came from nothing mm. and they just, they worked hard and they figured things out. Right. And there weren't, there weren't inherent cultural barriers that said, no, you, you came from this place, so you can't go and become a multimillionaire. Yeah. And yeah. obviously, I mean- Look at the life you're leading here, which is so cool. And it's happened so quickly too, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the, the biggest restraints is, and, you know, education is under the spotlight right now. Like, do you need a college degree? Right. Right. And I think typically, I think definitely in Australia, you know, college degree, have you got this, a bachelor of this, that, or whatever, and then you could get a job. You know, I had an experience in the state, so I didn't go to college, Right knucklehead maybe but right. you know my my career path outside okay. of i'm happy right? you got a 10 acre ranch you yep. got goats you got cows choppos here we've got some cows yeah. and chickens and family's happy right so um and i've El got Chapo. that flexibility now to you know spend more time with my kids and you know do more things that i like so right. um but it was interesting so um my career path out of high school i did track and field you know i was my career was I was going to be an Olympian, you know, I didn't quite get there, but you know, I represented my country, um, et cetera, retired track at an old man at the age of 23, you know, okay. a little bit broken down or what yep. have you. Right. But then, you know, got into sales, marketing, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you know, around 2012, I landed a job with Republic services and, uh, I'm is that have... the same company that is here? Yes. Yep. Yep. In Bozeman. And, uh, I remember this conversation. So I'd gone through a seven or eight interview process and on my resume, I'd put down that I have an equivalent, 
I can't really remember now, but it was the equivalency certified by some college out in the Midwest. Based on my 20 years of sales experience and management, et cetera, et cetera, I had a Bachelor of Business or something, right? Okay. The equivalent of. Yep. And uh, I remember the HR gal called up and said, hey, we need your college degree. And I'm like, I don't have a college degree. And that's what I heard. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> and uh, I said, you know, if you pull up my resume, I said, I've got the equivalent of, right? Is there a problem? And there obviously was, right? Because I didn't have a college degree. How could I be managing a business, you know, you know, uh, in two locations, et cetera? Um, anyway, got the job. They'd come too far anyway. So, you know, um, did the job, did the job quite successfully. Um, so I think, you know, pushing that boundary and, you know, just because you don't have a college degree doesn't pigeonhole you. You know what I mean? Because our life takes us in different directions and you get different, different experiences that I think, you know, arguably would be more valuable than a college degree. You know, they, the, the old saying, you know, you can't teach common sense. And I think that stands very true. Oh, it's so If you true. can't make a decision, if you can't look at something and say, I think this is, you know, left is the better way to go than right because and make good fundamental decisions, then you're probably not going to be in business for yourself. Well, and I'm also a, a huge advocate of you need roadblocks in life to find out who you are mm -hmm. and to see how how passionate you are about whatever it is that you're doing. Right. And if if you don't have construction zones, you're not going. If everything fell into your lap, you wouldn't achieve nearly what you thought you were. No, you're right. Achieve. Yeah, yeah. And you being an athlete, I mean, how many athletes were there that were more talented with, than you, but mm -hmm. didn't have the drive, so they wouldn't work hard. Right. And it would just be lost potential. Yeah. Yep. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, you know, those roadblocks, you really find out who you are and where you want to be. You know, you really get tested, you know, do you have the grit, you know, as they say out here, you know, to really sort of find out who you are and dig deep. You know, I think we, we're at, we're our, at our best when we're at our lowest point almost, you know what I mean? Like when you're really scrapping, you yeah. know, and I think getting back to your question earlier about, you know, business differences and opportunities, Australia and America, one of the things I find when, you know, I came out to the States is, you know, in Australia, we fight really hard, like really hard and in business, in sport, you know, et cetera. And uh, we're very successful, but it doesn't leave the other person as successful. And one of the things I did find out coming to the States is, you know, I'll do a deal with you and I'm happy that you're making a few bucks and you're happy that I'm making a few bucks. And that makes sense. Right. But in Australia at the time, I'm a little bit removed now. I think just culturally that we're just too competitive and, you know, unless I'm taking every penny off you to get the best deal I can, right. then it's not going to work. For I don't me. even understand that mentality. It's ludicrous. Well, because if, if you grind them so much that they don't make any money, they're not going to stay in business. So right. they can't service you. Right. And long after you've written the check, mm. regardless of whether it's for a spa, whether it's for a house, whether it's for a car, you, long after it's going to break. Right. You're going to need that person to look after you. Yeah. Yeah. And then you find out how strong your relationship is. But if you've, if they haven't made any money, they have no interest. Yeah. In it you. doesn't foster, uh, you know, well at the time again, you know, I'm a little bit removed. So if I've offended anyone, sorry, but um, you know, it doesn't leave any sort of longevity out there, you know, because you don't know where you're going to end up either. You know, I mean, do I end up working for you or, you know, applying for a job that you post 10 years from now? I, you know, I don't know. So. So you've, you've, what did you learn about yourself when you went through your divorce? Because obviously that was one of the crossroads. It, it was a huge crossroad. You know, I mean, 
both my wife and I are Australian. We got dual citizenship, right? Madison is, you know, a dual citizen at the time. And uh, it just stops your world, you know. A lot of people go through it at different, you know, at on different levels and, you know, um, influence. But, you know, I was in a foreign country, you know, I don't have any parent, like I don't have any family. There's no safety family. net here. There's no safety net. Like yeah. I couldn't just leave the house and go to mum and dad's, right? Yeah. And have a coffee and, hey, I'm in some trouble. What do you think we should do? Like it's, like it's all me, you know? Figure it out. And I've got this little two-year-old at the time and, you know, I remember, I mean, I, I left the house or what have you and I drove down the road and I pulled up on the side of the road and I called my dad and I said, hey, I'm in trouble. And, uh, you know, it still gets to me today, you know, but you figure it out. And so I think, you know, some of the takeaways for me at that time was, you know, what did I want to do? Where did I want to go? What am I really capable of? And what is it going to take to get there? You know, um, I certainly learned that just because, I don't know, we're 14,000 miles away that, you know, with technology, you get to, you can get to family just like that. You right. know what I mean? So I still land on them really hard and they were there for me and I'm grateful for that. Um, certainly learned that, you know, I had a good network of friends in and around Bozeman that really, you know, helped out. So they were like family, you know, right. but, you know, there's nothing like family as such. Um, and I just... You know, I just put my nose down and went for it. I was interviewing for Republic Services at that time. You know what I mean? I'd show up for an interview. It must and have been super confusing for you. I, well, it was the whole thing was confusing. Like, you know, I I should have played, been in the you know a world poker tournament because I could walk in for an interview, <laughs> right? <laughs> I didn't even need sunglasses. I just put on my best poker face. You know, um, show up for the interview. Uh, do what I needed to do. And on a couple of occasions, I'd walk out of that interview and just cry, like just get to the car and just like, just let it go. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you get a phone call and say, hey, we want to talk to you again. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Pump myself <laughs> Pump up again. myself up again, right? So, but I think that's what we do in life too. You know, I mean, that's in business as well. You start a business, you know, uh, I don't know too many businesses where it's just a hockey stick straight to the moon. You know right. what I mean? So, right. um, you know, there's times, you know, when I started this business where it's like, oh gosh, here we go. You know what I mean? Like you're scrapping, you're trying to put things together, you start a business on a shoestring, you know, and, uh, but you remember those times. It's like, you know, starting out, you leave home, you get your first apartment, you can't afford this, that, and whatever. And they're like some of the most memorable times. So starting this business and going through the same thing, you know, my experience as an athlete, my experience going through a divorce, just growing up, life experiences ties into your business. So when it gets tough, you're like, you know, you close the door and, yeah. you know, one of the things I found as a business practice, instead of just thinking and just ruminating and bringing home and just, you know, not talking about it, you know, I would just write it down. Like if I had a challenge, like if you write it down, it gets it out, you know, out of your mind onto a you know piece of paper, yeah. just crunch it up, throw it in the bin. That's fine write it down, it releases it from, you know, your mind and you move through it, you know. It's so. kind of like those emails that we all write that sometimes we shouldn't hit send. I hit a couple of sends. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Part of, part of, part of my mission in doing these podcasts, because mm. I meet some incredible people all over the, the continent, mm. is a mentorship program. Right. Is 
all of you are successful and you've all had to go through certain, we all go through certain struggles. Yeah. And I'm such a huge advocate that I want the younger generation, hopefully they pick up and they learn from this, that they can not be defeated by, by struggles in our life, but mm. embrace them. Right. It sucks to go through them. You, you yeah. don't like it when it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. But at the end of the day, once you get, you find out who you are and it makes you a way better person. Yeah. Especially if you face into it, right? You instead of running? Instead of running away from it, like, or trying to change it yeah. fundamentally. I mean, we are who we are. Like, this guy sitting here today fundamentally is the same kid, you know, 40 years ago playing in the streets of Melbourne. You know what I mean? Like, the way we conduct ourselves, the way we conduct and, you know, interact with other people. You know, so, I mean, if you get too far away, from, or if you try to get too far away from yourself, one, I don't think it's sustainable over a long term, right? Um, and then two, you're not you're not operating operating as your true self. So you mentioned about a hockey stick, and obviously, growing up in Canada, I played hockey for mm. a dozen years. Mm. And the one thing that I learned is you you can't unless you're Wayne Gretzky, you can't always be the best person on the team. You're not going to be always chosen for that elite squad. Right. You have to earn it, mm -hmm. and if you don't work hard. If it just falls into your lap, you have no appreciation for it and you don't drive yourself. Kind of mm -hmm. like you being an elite athlete representing Australia. Mm -hmm. If if everything just fell into your lap and you became an Olympian and it was easy, I think of, I had a uh, conversation with a, a guy in Jackson Hole last week, Klaus Bear from WRJ. And this guy was a competitive swimmer at uh, UNC. Mm. And he was just, it was fascinating because he told me, and my wife was a competitive swimmer, so I, I know the stories that she would swim in an outdoor pool in Vancouver in the wintertime. It wasn't a heated pool, so the temperature of the water was 60 degrees, and you're there from 5 a.m. to 7, and Klaus goes, that's, exact, that's all part of the training. Mm. And how many people would just bail and go, I'm not, that, I'm, not five, I'm not doing that. I can't do it. I can't do it. Right. There, can't is something that is between your ears, not anybody else's. Right. Yeah. 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 It, it's interesting. Nobody really knows what you're capable of, right? Nobody knows you. Like if you're going into a meeting, you know, I've started different jobs at times, like just really green, didn't have much experience and I'd go and call on customers, but they didn't know that I didn't know. Right. You know what I mean? So, and then the other thing <laughs> you, you learn over the years is, you know, the less talking you do, the better. Right. So, and people really typically hard for your like, life. well, she can't get a word in. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, people typically like to talk about themselves, right. Especially their achievements or what have you. And, uh, and I think they should, right. I think you should celebrate what you've achieved and, and talk about it. Um, you know, but I certainly found over, you know, my younger career, the less that I said, one, I didn't know what I was talking about. Right. So, and two, I would just listen to them. And that was my education on that topic matter at the time. You know what I mean? So we have, uh, two ears, one mouth. Mm. I am a firm believer, use it in relation. Mm. And when you're talking to somebody, they will tell you their hot buttons inadvertently. Right. If you just let them talk yeah, and yeah. not cut them off, yeah. just let them talk. Yeah. Too many people want to cut people off and it's like, would you just let them finish? Yeah. And then you can say right. what just popped into your head. Yeah. You know, I, I worked with a gentleman once that uh, he could win a deal and lose a deal almost in the same sentence. <laughs> you know, just that 
there's that poise, knowing when what's enough, you know what I mean? Um, say what you need to say and then listen and you're right. And then, you know, the other thing that I like to pass on to people too, you know, the especially in business and maybe in relationships as well, you know, the first person that speaks loses. Right. Typically. Right. right. So if you're presenting, you know, uh, some pricing or you're presenting a business idea or what have you, like say what you need to say and then just grind out that awkward pause for as long as you can, you know. Not that you and I would ever threaten anybody by being the smartest person in the room. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> but i got a straight face. I might right. pull it off, right? Well, that's you don't need sunglasses. Right. You got, you're yeah, yeah. a great poker player. Right. What is it that you learn when you're interacting with some of your clients? Because the clients that you deal with are top of the food chain. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. What do you learn from them? What do you take away? And how do you implement that? Not only raising your daughter, mm -hmm. your relationships with your ex-wife and your mm -hmm. current wife, balancing, balancing life. Mm -hmm. What do you learn from these people? Um, the thing that comes out always, always is creating time for those people, like creating time for yourself and family, your interests, what have you. Because if you're always at the grindstone, if you bring work home 24-7, you're not engaging, you're missing out on so much more. And I think you do your business an injustice as well. You know, there's certainly a time where you got to hustle and just grind, you know what I mean? And yeah. you might set that up and say, look, honey, for the next two weeks, this is all I'm doing. Kind right? of like if, if you're an accountant, it's tax time. It's tax time. Um, I, I got it. no choice. This yep. is, or you're a trial lawyer and you've got a trial yep. coming up. Okay. Yep. Work hard. You know, the Olympics are coming up. We've got to do this. Or you got injured and you've got the next two weeks to get sound, right? So you or, certainly- Or I'm assuming in your business, there is some sort of seasonality to it. Right. So it's like, okay, this is our hundred days to make money. So mm -hmm. let's just focus. And we're going to focus. Then, and, and then, then after there's that, a, yeah, there's a price. Right. So, you know, if you're always, you know, a lot of the customers that I'm talking to, typically they are on vacation out here. A lot of them. Right. Okay. So they're at their, they're at their house. I thought they were moving here. This place is going crazy. It is going crazy. And a lot of them have moved here and aspire to move here. And, you know, they're bringing businesses out here. You know, I mean, again, technology, you know, work from anywhere. So do you, but, do you tell them that this is Montana, you're not taking our guns? Haven't brought that up yet. Actually, most of the customers <laughs> did bring their guns or, you know, ask me where they can get some more. So, um, so it's all good, you know. <laughs> so I haven't had anybody sort of walk into the store and look up at a, you know, an elk or something that I've got on the wall and sort of walk out yet. So Montana's still good. So, yeah. But definitely having time, just creating that downtime. You know what I mean? Because, you know, I think when you're out on the boat or you're out riding a horse or doing something that, maybe you don't do all the time and you're not that familiar. I think that's healthy for you too. Cause that, you know, you can't think about anything else than other than just staying on that horse or not getting wet or, you know what I mean? Or when a fish bites, you're like, you're in the moment. So I think creating those times where you're with your family or you're pursuing something that you're interested in yeah. gives you that break from your business. And I think that's healthy. So I think you just said probably the most important thing I've heard in quite some time, and that is to be present. Uh, Leslie and I had dinner with a couple, uh, and they've done it incredibly well, but they're friends of ours mm. and we're having dinner and I've got my phone beside me and I'm checking the sports scores and they go, um, we're going to leave. And then when you guys are ready to actually have dinner and spend some time together, we'd love to do it. But obviously whatever, whatever is on your phone is more important than us 
having a social conversation. Mm. And then the next day they sent me this short video that I shared with my whole team and some of our clients. Yeah. And it was just the, when you're, when you're with somebody, put the phone down. It's not that critical. Yeah. The sports score isn't going to change your life or that text or that email. Yep. And it's just be present with whoever you're with. Yep. And then once that's over, then go back to your phone and check out whatever right. it is. Yeah. It doesn't take much, does it? You know, so no. we get so absorbed with these devices and information is, you know, whether it's the sports or you're waiting on an email, right? Yeah. And it could have been a business email that you're waiting on and you're sweating on it, right? But it right. doesn't matter to that person at that time. Right. And it's the same with our kids or it's the same with employees if, you know, or, you know, hopefully no one stays on their phone. Actually, People do stay on their phone. I've got, yeah. So people do stay on their phone when customers walk in or uh, someone's going for a, a job interview. So I picked up, actually picked up an employee that way. So um, put it down. Like as soon as your employee walks in, give them that five, 10 minutes. You know what I mean? If you need to get to that email, that's fine. You just say, hey, can I finish this up first? And then I'll be right with you. That's, right. that's fine. It sets the tone. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. So Arctic Spas. Yeah. Uh, you told me a story that you almost went broke. And now, obviously, you are a long way from almost going broke. Right. Yeah. What's the difference? And it happened fairly quickly. It happened quickly. Um, you know, like anything, you start a business, you don't know what you don't know, you know, so you bring in as much information as you can, but, you know, and you want to start it as efficiently. And, and uh, another part of this question, hmm. you're at Republic Services, which is a garbage company, which is not even close to what you're doing now. Right. How did you take the blinders off and accept, hey, this might be a really cool business. Yeah. And I think I might be successful at sure. it. Sure. Yeah. So I'll back up a little bit. So I did Republic for about five years and um, you know, I was getting a bit tired of that, you know, long hours, etc. to you know, Billings, Bozeman, um, away from family, etc. And but I knew in my heart of hearts that if I wanted to stay in Bozeman and that's all I want to do. So if I'm not in Bozeman bit harder now, married, more kids, et cetera. Like my, I always said, if I'm not in Bozeman, I'm back in Melbourne with my folks and friends and picking up that life. So right? it's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. So You, you burned know, the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a city's a city anywhere. Right, right? right. I don't think, you know, it's not much different. Sydney, San Fran, you know, I mean, it's a city, right? So great to visit, but don't want to stay there. Um, so... I knew to stay in Bozeman long-term and long-term, you know, into my seventies or eighties or whatever, I needed to create an opportunity where, you know, I was working for myself and I'd had all these experiences and life lessons, et cetera, um, where I knew I could do it. Right. So I've always been in sales. I've always been in, you know, operations. Like I'm a little bit of a MacGyver in that, you know, I can pick we up like a MacGyver. lot of things, right? Yeah, sure you do. And uh, um, I can pick up, a, you know, a lot of things and a little bit of it, you know what I mean? So um, I can turn to a, a few different disciplines. So I got to the point where I just started looking for, you know, businesses in the area and there was a business for sale and they had hot tubs and, you know, um, wood fires and, and what have you. And wood fires were a bit more manly. So I'm like, oh, let's have a look at that business. And, uh, it wasn't a, a, you know, wanted too much money for us and location wasn't great. Product was like, uh, so, and then we had a, there was a pivotal moment where my, um, sister-in-law bought a brand new hot tub from a local, um, um, dealership, beautiful hot tub, spent a lot of money on it. And we we're all in Hawaii in January, just having a get together. And she got a phone call 
and uh, you know the person looking after the house said, "Hey, your hot tub's frozen solid." And it's like, what? So you know, we're talking about that, and you know, so we're that talking, derails the vacation. That derailed the vacation a little bit, and then Jesse, uh, my wife, said, "You know what? There's got to be a purpose-built hot tub." made for these conditions, you know, the Northern Hemisphere where it's, you know, winters are brutal and long and it's really hard on equipment. And so, you know, we found Arctic Spas, we looked at some reviews and then I hit the, uh, you know, find a dealer button, right? right. Or, or look at the dealership sure, thing. Sure. And there's nothing in Montana. And I could not get on the phone quick enough. So the local dealership here... Um, uh, that wasn't an Arctic. There was one dealership here that had, you know, they've got a very successful business. They've been in the area for like 40 plus years, right? And uh, Bozeman's growing. So all the, the economics of it uh, made sense. You know, you do your shopping, you figure out, you know, what the volume is for the business uh, per year. And um, we called Arctic Spas. We got an agreement together and now it's on. Did they ask you about your college degree? They didn't. Oh my gosh. They asked a lot of other questions, though. So. <laughs> um, so we got a dealership together, and now it's like, okay, let's. Where's the location? What does it look like? What do we want to do? You know what I mean? So, fundamentally, when I did the business plan, we wanted to create a business where we didn't look and feel and smell like a pool and spa place. I, I just didn't want that. You know what I mean? So, you know, what we strive to do, we sourced a really good product um, through Arctic Spas that sort of meets the environmental conditions. Okay. Or, you know, exceeds at it, really. And then they've got some technology that, you know, other providers don't have that, you know, puts us in front again. And it's, you know, what does a store look like and how do we want to do business with other people? You know what I mean? So we all hear, you know, I didn't like that person because it felt like a used car. So, you know, I wanted to get as far away from that as possible. And we have, and I think that's been a big part of it. So, and then the success in the last two years more so has been, I think, due to, you know, penetrating the market yeah. and time in the market. Right. And then, um, you know, the growth in the area as well. So I'll, I'll, I mean, you got lucky to a degree, but you had the foundation the previous three years put the foundation in place so that you could take advantage of what's going 100%. on in the market right yeah. now. Yeah. And I think, you know, you, you bring me back to a memory, you get lucky and you do. And there's no doubt we need luck in every day of our lives. You know what I mean? In every endeavor we do. And I remember you, back you in my track days. You need luck just to not get in an accident. Right. So, yeah. you know, and uh, I remember back in the day when I was, uh, in my track and field days, I would train with Linford Christie, the English sprinter, when he would come out to Australia. And he always signs his autograph, be lucky. And I asked him, I said, what, what's that about? He goes, the fact that anyone makes it to the starting line, of, yeah. you know, Olympic 100 meters, and you're the last, one of the eight people to make the final, right. came down to luck. Because everyone's amazing. Like the talent's so deep, you know what I mean? And that goes in business too. So um, uh, you certainly, you figure out what you want to do and where you want to go. And then there's circumstances around that, that where you get, you get really lucky. And you just, you embrace that and you say, thank you. Because that luck doesn't last and you don't know what's around the corner. And people don't know what you've gone through before you got lucky. Yeah, that's a really good... I'm I'm such an advocate that preparation creates luck. Mm -hmm. 
but there still is an element of pure and simple luck. I think of, you know, as a huge hockey fan, Connor McDavid from Edmonton is the best player on the planet by country mile. Mm -hmm. And yet he hasn't made it out of the first or second round in the playoffs in his career. Because sometimes you hit a hot goalie and it doesn't matter. You're, you're the best player, but you can't score on this guy. Wayne Gretzky didn't win a title every year. Mm -hmm. Luck. Oh, bad luck. Or bad luck. Right. So, and you know, you mentioned preparation. I think, you know, when you're looking at your business and certainly the way I've run businesses, like I can't really influence, I can't really change today, tomorrow, next week right. or next month, really. It's pretty much done. Yep. So if you're not staying out in front of, and this goes to life as well, like we always plan our vacations, right? So six yep. months from now, I want to be in Italy or something like that. So you plan it, right? So your business is the same way. So, you know, if you're not working on the next six months and then have in the back of mind and spending a percentage of your day thinking about next year, yep. then you're doing your business and injustice as well. So what was the the switch that clicked in your brain that got you to go from working in your business to on your business? Because that's exactly what you're just talking about. Right. So you start your business and I've always been good at getting blood from a stone. You know what I mean? Like I've done startups with other people and I can, I mean, in the weeds, hands on and... I can make every penny and, and I would look at every penny from day one or every dollar and treat it like it's a hundred thousand dollars. Right. Okay. So, so that, that when you do that, you can't get out of your business. So for the first year, pretty much, I mean, it was a little bit, uh, I don't know whether you picked up on that series, but you know, faulty towers with John oh, yeah, Cleese, right? So, I mean, he does everything sort of thing. And I had a customer once where I was standing at the counter and I sold him a nice hot tub and then I showed up, you know, four weeks later and I delivered it. And then a part went out on another couple of weeks. And I went back and fixed the part. And he goes, you're the same guy, right? I said, yeah, it's a bit like faulty towels, right? So it's, <laughs> <laughs> I'll sell you the tub. I'll deliver you the tub. And now I'm going to fix your tub sort of thing. So, but I was running that business so lean, but primarily because I wanted to learn everything about. So I didn't have any hot tub experience. I didn't, you know what I mean? But I know how to fix stuff, right? So- and I know how to sell. And I know that's because you're MacGyver. Right. I'm MacGyver, Jason MacGyver Feach. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I did that so I could then learn what sort of a person I needed to bring into the business and then be able to support them properly. In that, if I got a phone call and said, Hey, we're trying to deliver this tub and we can't do this, I could say, You know, you're probably right. Let's think of something else. Or, No, I've done it and here's how I want you to do it. So then once I moved out of that, um, you know, 12, 18 months, you're bringing the right people into the business okay. that then lets me think about, and remember too, like when funds are tight too, you're living day to day. You're just trying to eat. You're just trying to eat. Yeah. You're just scrapping. You know what I mean? Like I can't think about next six months because I don't even know if I'm going to be here. Like, right. So, but then once you, your business gains traction and you got that big, heavy, you know, stone disc that you're pushing on and it starts to move by itself, right? Then you can start thinking about other things. And what does the next six months like? Like what inventory do I need? Like, you know, I'm going to do more marketing because I want to look at this side of the business and build this, you know what I mean? So, um, and that's where, and that's where it gets really exciting. Well, and, um, and, and that's a point where, and I had this conversation with a guy from Montana reclaimed lumber last night, mm. Mike Halverson, mm. who's just down the street right. from you. And he really is the biggest in the country, and his stuff is so cool. Beautiful. But it's all about building a brand. 
Mm-hmm. And there's a certain point where now you know you're going to have food on the table. Mm-hmm. Now what does your brand look like? Because brands transcend ups and downs in economies. Right. Yeah. When the economy goes down, people want those premium brands because there's safety to them. Mm-hmm. Well, you create that by getting your name out to the right people consistently time and time and time again. Yeah. And it's not about creating a special or a price point no. or driving people to you. Well, I got to get X number of people to a website. No, my brand is my brand. Right. And that's the strength. Yeah. Of yeah. any business. No, it really is. For sure. You know, we've, you know, we've been fortunate, you know, I've got this accent and that sort of sticks out. So in this marketplace and people are drawn to that, like- They don't think you're local? No, they don't. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'll go out now and someone will hear, you know, talk to me and, um, oh, you're the spa guy, right? And And that's great. Great. I've got uh, just a quick story. I was out hunting last year in Sheridan, about two hours from here and- um, I'd lost this animal and fishing game was, you know, parked right on the road there. And I went up to him and I said, Hey, any chance you could ask the rancher to, that I could get on this property to retrieve this animal. And the first thing he said was, do you own Arctic spas? Are you serious? We're out in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) And, uh, I said, yeah, I I do. He goes, I hear your commercials all the time. I think they're great. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. And I'm like, well, what about the elk? He goes, you're out of luck. He won't let you on, go get another. (laughs) But that one I can't help you with. (laughs) That one I can't help you with. But, um, so, you know, when you're branding, you know, your branding is yourself, you know, you you know, the first thing you think about, you know, like Virgin, Richard Branson, you know what I mean? So there's people that are synonymous with that and, you know, and our people, like I get so many compliments from our customers that, you know, Jake and Jaden did a really great job and, um, they're the people that I need to, you know, call on and, you know, Jadine does a great job. You know, I walked in there, I didn't really know what I want. I didn't really want to spend any money and next minute of, you know, I've spent 20 grand on a hot tub and I yep. just had the most amazing experience, you know, and Janine made us, you know, and, and that's the, that the people up makes the brand, right? So, yeah. yeah. So what was the tipping point? When did you come home and say, honey, I think we're going to be okay. Yeah. About two and a half, two years ago, two and a half years ago. Okay. You know, we got through, you talked earlier about, you know, the seasonality of our product and certainly spring is very busy and fall's very busy. Um, summer, it sort of peters off a little bit, you know. Um, but when, when, you, when you start the business and you have really good months and you get really excited about it and you grind through your low months, when your low months become as good as your high months when you first start out, yeah. you go, this is great. Yeah. This is where I think, I think we're going to be good, you know? So, and then we, we certainly, uh, you know, and I advocate this for a lot of businesses, you know, offer a referral program, right? So on every invoice that we send out and, you know, every quote we send out, we have a referral program. And when we started having people coming in saying, hey, my neighbor's got a tub or my neighbor said or my friend said I should buy an Arctic and they're going to get, you know, $250 or something, in that that traction in the marketplace, that felt good as well. That's a clever idea. It wasn't mine. No, it was mine, but yeah. <laughs> that was a knucklehead <laughs> idea. <laughs> Sometimes you got to try things. And you got to try. You got to be willing to fail. A hundred percent. Yeah. No, you bring up a good point. I mean, if you're not trying, if you're not trying something different, you know what I mean? In anything, yeah. it doesn't matter if you fail. It right. really doesn't. Because doing nothing is the worst thing you can do, right? 
whether it's a relationship with somebody, like, oh, I'm just this is going to be too hard. I'm just going to keep going with it. Right. Make the hard call. You know what I mean? Like, might be right, might be wrong. If it's wrong, you just go again. That's right. the exciting thing about it, right? So if you do something in your business and hopefully it doesn't cost too much money, right? You recover from it and you go, okay, so what else? There's something else out there that's going to work. Right. And when it works and you see the upside for your business or you see the upside for your relationship or your kids or your kids' education, like, it feels amazing. So who do you use or look to as a mentor? Um, and you're getting to a point where people are going to start to look to you. Yeah, and, th- and that's that's exciting. Like I'm sort of mentoring a couple of businesses locally, you know, so startups, you know, joined a couple of networking groups and you sort of see some opportunities to help people and I really enjoy that, Yep. right? Um, but getting back to, you know, who do I look, you know, look up to? Like I had a, I did a lot of business, so I helped a friend out in the States. This was this was an interesting. So a friend started a business out here. You know, I was um, – uh, it was a, it was an interesting job interview. So I'm, I'm in Montana and, uh, David wanted to, was starting a business and he called me up one night. It was about one o'clock in the morning. And he said, I need someone that can sell and I need someone that I can trust. And that was the job interview. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but, um, you know, David had started. At traffic. least he knew what he wanted. He knew what he wanted and he knew I wouldn't say no probably. So, you know, um, and we'd known each other for a long time and I was, you know, um, godfather to his son and everything like that. And so when you start to mix business with friends, you know, that, you know, that gets dicey and it certainly did get dicey at the end, but I really look up to Dave. I learned a lot from that experience. I went from sort of selling his, you know, traffic control concepts to, you know, being the general manager of, you know, multiple branches around the country and, um, and then still doing deals and, um, uh, to, you know, better his business. And he ended up, you know, selling out at a multiple of whatever and did a lot of, you know, made a lot of money out of that uh, U.S. venture. Um, our relationship went pear-shaped as a coincidence of that. And we probably didn't talk for five years, six years. Okay. And, uh, but we came back, you know what I mean? So, you know, being stubborn, stubborn old men at this stage, like it takes a little bit more time to cool off or something. And we certainly wasn't, you know, we weren't in the same city where we could go out for a beer and just punch each other in the head and get on with it. So, you know, we, we kept our distance for a long time. But The true Australian way of solving any problems. Good punch to the head. <laughs> <laughs> or a beer. and um, Followed by a beer. Followed by a beer. And uh, that experience with David and managing his business and growing over that five or six years I was with him and then my struggle with him really posi- – I mean, I got that much. I couldn't have – it was way better than any college degree. You know what I mean? Like I was stressed and pushed – in every facet of a big, fast-growing business, everything from sales, marketing, finance, the, the whole gamut. So, you know, doing reports, reporting back to a finance company that was funding the deal, et cetera, and the questions that come with that when everything's not going well, you know what I mean? So, you know, I developed a lot of tools and experiences that really set me up to take this next step, and I'm really grateful to David, you know, and that opportunity that he gave me because he mm-hmm. really – Without that, I don't think I, I would have done this. Um, and then the other people that I really look up to, uh, I'm not a big reader. I don't, you know, I mentioned Branson earlier, but um, when I'm with these networking groups and I'm seeing knuckleheads start businesses, right? Yep. Just to refer earlier, no, no offense, but um, just good guys and gals doing what they 
feel that they need to do or they want to do and they're pursuing and they're starting their own businesses, they're the people I really look up to in that uh, just seeing that determination and grit and endeavour. I think it's invaluable. And I think as a, you know, a business owner, if you can get back to that sort of back to the basics, you know, a little bit like Rocky going back out to Russia and sure. pushing up logs and not polished dumbbells and all that sort of stuff. When you see those people starting up their businesses and, you know, hustling and being successful, that's amazing. Well, it rejuvenates you. It does. It really does. Yeah. Yep. yep. Rejuvenates you. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody says to me, Hey, when are you going to retire? I've been retired my whole life. There you go. Yeah. Like you retire when you're, when you die. Right. And that's, as long as you find something to be happy about when you wake up in the morning mm. and look for, you know, to me, the glass isn't half full, it's full, full. It's full. Yeah. And, and if you take control of your own life, because I'm a big advocate and people have heard this time and time again, but mm. I can only be the best Ted I can be. I can't be the, I can't control my wife, my, my, uh, my kids, my mm -hmm my staff, my clients, mm -hmm. I can control Ted. That's it. Right. And if you like me, you like me and we're going to do business. And if right. you don't, you don't. And that's okay. That's okay too. Right. It really is. So tell yeah. me about this new product line. We've got a few more minutes, but sure. I, so I don't want to forget about this exciting, exciting new product line. Yeah. So that you went to Moldova for, well, I, out of Belgium, but. Right. Yeah. I didn't. Well, COVID, you can't go or whatever, but, you know, we looked at, you know, we've got Arctic spas and, you know, that's a world leading product as far as, you know, thermal features and uh, longevity and customization. But they've all, they also pushed the envelope on technology. You know, Arctic spas is the only tub out there that will manage its own water, you know, generate its own chlorine when it needs to report back error codes, et cetera. I run all my, Didn't you know, know that. it's amazing. Right. So I really like technology and I like the customization. So every eight foot tub, I don't order in a lot of stock because my tub might be, you know, four pumps, 60 jets, but you want the same tub, but you're like, I don't want any jets. I just, the minimum jet. So you can have that as well with an Arctic spa. So, you know, you put your money into the features and benefits that, you know, is going to be you know beneficial to you. So then, you know, along the whole wellness um, program, I looked for a really high-end sauna and related products that offer similar features to the Arctic Spa. It's got to be customizable, right? Um, and it's got to have some technology and other benefits there as well. And I came across, after about an 18-month search, I came across uh, via Instagram, Alpha Wellness. Okay. And... Um, uh, the licensee is out of San Diego and I reached out, just did a, you know, um, a brief introduction and, um, college degree. Didn't ask about a college degree either. Again. I love America. <laughs> no, no college degrees. So, um, except with Republic, only Republic did. So <laughs> the trash business of all people. So anyway, um, so we got a conversation and, you know, they said, uh, we don't do dealerships really, but we got talking and there was, there was a lot of synergies um, between the two businesses on how we interact, engage and manage customers and their expectation. And uh, so after about you know four months, we came up with that they would offer me um, a, an, an agreement with as being the exclusive US partner with Alpha Wellness, which as you mentioned earlier, is out of Belgium. And the key there is they offer a product range, um, you know, modular, in-home, two, three-person, um, 
saunas, infrared and traditional, or a combination of both. Um, but they also do the super high end where if a customer wants, has a room, a dedicated space in their house, and they want a wellness room, everything from you know sauna, steam room, cold plunge, stainless steel pool, etc. then Alpha Wellness is able to do that. We have a design team that works with architects, builders, and the customer to come up, what does that you know, what does that room really do for the individual or the family? What do they want to get out of it? What's the experience? And then, you know, everything from material breakdown, um, uh, concept drawings, this is what it's going to look like. And then, you know, the team in Belgium puts that together, ships it out, and then the team here installs it. So, and it's it's been phenomenal. So are you doing a lot of those in high-end homes, like in the Yellowstone Club or Spanish Peaks? Sure, Spanish Peaks, Yellowstone Club, Whitefish. I don't have really a you know a defined territory for that. Okay. I really want to work on, this will be the next part of, you know, uh, my business here in Montana. But, you know, I'm really looking at the Pacific Northwest as an opportunity for that. And we'll okay. slowly do that um, over the next few years. But the, you know, especially with COVID and people staying home and sort of becoming more maybe health conscious or just not wanting to to go to a gym or to get that experience people are investing in their homes and you know sometimes off the shelf does just doesn't work you know I, I need something a bit bigger I need you know I want to incorporate this feature you know we had a client that called us and they wanted in, for their sauna they wanted in, in, to incorporate a fish tank and just to be able to sit there and watch fish and it's a like, little random random but they did it yeah. you know so customizable um, customer experience customer gets exactly what they want in the space they want it's purpose built it doesn't look like it's just been an add-on you know what i mean so um and that that trend is just growing what's the biggest challenge with that lead times i think you know you're, you're sourcing a, a high-end product from you know the world's best uh, you know through europe yeah. um so you got lead times that's a challenge and then what about education i'm just thinking my as you're talking to educate the contractor mm-hmm and make this a possibility because a lot of these homes are 10,000 square feet right. or more. Yeah. Yep. There's room to put one in if right. they knew and weren't intimidated by it. Right. So, yeah, that, that has been a challenge, but it's, you know, maybe it's just a little awkward conversation up front. Whereas, you know, as the builder, because the builder wants to do everything, right? Yeah. And rightly so. So they're contracted to do a house and they're going to do it from, you know, foundation up. Whereas when the customer wants our product, I'm going to build that for them. Right. So having that conversation with the contractor to say, hey, you just rough in the room and I want you to bring in power here, 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 and I want you to bring in water here and I'm going to do the rest. I'll finish it. That's a little bit like, that's, that could be a challenge for some builders. But um, once they see the product and get comfortable with that, okay, it's like, okay, that makes sense. Like you put that in, that this is your product. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I mean, to me, as, as you're explaining it, Seems pretty straightforward. It mm -hmm. would be no different than the flooring guy saying, "Okay, this is this is what I want, and this is the flooring I want, and you put it in." Right. You're just a subcontractor. Right. Other than there's no one else out there in this that area do doing it, it. Yeah, so okay. it's just new. It's yeah. new. Yeah. What are you most proud of? <laughs> like you've, um, you've you've had all these ups and downs in businesses. You've obviously personally and professionally found out who Jason is and what mm. Jason can tolerate. Mm. And what's your takeaway? What are you most proud of? Just that uh, there's a lot of things to be proud of. You know, I mean, you have kids, you're proud of your kids or yeah. 
maybe just more proud that I actually had a kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, do you believe we did that sort of thing? Um, uh, I think, you know, the most thing to be proud of is that, you know, I'm happy, right? So, and that that takes different forms and I've grown as a person, but, but I've also stayed true to myself. You know, it would have been easy to go back to Australia 10 years ago mm-hmm. and I wouldn't have had this, you know what I mean? So being able to know what I want yep. in my life, not business-wise, right, but just this is at the core, this is what I want to be. Like I want to be a mountain man out there in the mountains. I want to hunt fish. You know, I want to spend time with my friends. I want to cook. I want to entertain. And this is where I want to do it. And I've been able to create a vehicle by which I've achieved that. And and as a result of that, you know, um, wife's happy, kids are happy, my parents are proud of me. On to the next chapter. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's a good ending. I always, the last question I ask everybody, because as immigrants coming here 20 years ago from Canada, which is a pretty nice country, right. Australia is a pretty nice country. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Sydney and Buenos Aires are my wife's two favorite cities in the entire world and Vancouver. But being that she's born and raised there, it's kind of for venturing out. Yeah. What does American exceptionalism mean to Jason Veach? They can just, you know, you can be yourself and achieve whatever you want to achieve. Your limitation is really you. You know, I mean, we talked about this, so, you know, within the family group or what have you, like, you know, I sort of, and yourself, like we represent what it is to immigrate to America. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. I came here legally through a process, right? Novel concept. No, I mean, <laughs> I've even got ID, right? So I show my ID and, um, but you come here legally, you know, by choice, you know, fortunately for us, right? And yeah. there's a lot of people that are forced to come here and, you know, this country has got open arms to them, you know, to anyone that wants to, you know, be an American. Um, and then, you know, it's up to you to achieve what you want to achieve. And if you want to sit back, well, okay, that's fine. Sit back. But, you know, if you want to start a business or if you want to go to college, if you want to start a business and then go to college, you know what I mean? You know, you can do it. You know, no one's saying that you can't do it. Awesome. Yeah. Jason, thanks for spending the time with us. Yeah. Uh, That was fantastic. (laughs) Enjoyed it. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm Ted Bainbridge. Thanks for joining us. And we'll see you next time on Friends of Build Magazine. Thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe wherever you get your podcast and leave us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. You can find everything discussed in this episode and more in our show notes below. I'm Ted Bainbridge, and you've been listening to Friends of Build Magazine podcast. <laughs>